0: Well, it's so great to be back. I've been out of town the last couple weeks, got to go on some wonderful travels and just really refreshed. But it's always wonderful to know that I get to come back and be part of what God's doing here. Um, and God has been doing some cool stuff over the last several weeks. We've been pursuing opportunities with um, on a property on Alden Road for that to be our home seven days a week. Uh, I know you guys have gotten several updates over the last few weeks and just wanted to continue to update you. Um, First of all, we're just a couple thousand dollars away from our $75,000 mark. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Um, And that helps us cover the cost of just moving in, but not only moving in, really being able to give ministries um, some great money to thrive for our kids and for our worship space and for just to make it a good place that feels like home. So if you haven't had an opportunity to participate in that, would love for you to do that. Um, You can do that at citybeautiful.ch slash give. Um, There's a little drop-down thing there that you can participate in doing that. Um, But also wanted to let you know that, as you probably do know, um, we've been back and forthing with the city, and that seems to be a process most of the time uh, when people are trying to move into a space, and the same has been true for us. Uh, Melissa has just been, like, going full on with the city, and so keep her in your prayers. Yeah. So she's been bearing kind of the emotional and spiritual weight of this journey on behalf of all of us. So um, keep her in your prayers for sure. And we have another meeting this coming week, um, either Wednesday or Thursday, with our architect as well as the city and Melissa and maybe a couple others um, will be there just to hopefully have that final conversation. So this week could be the week of the final conversation. So keep praying for that. Pray for just favor there. Pray for the process. Pray for Melissa, and pray for the rest of our team as we move through that. And just pray blessing over the people at the city. Um, There's been some wonderful people there who have just been so great for us and to us. Um, And um, actually, let's pray for them now. Um, Just a prayer of blessing. Uh, There's one lady named Sharita who works in the permitting office who has just been so wonderful to us. And then she works on behalf of um, so many other people on that team. So let's just pray for them now that we're here. To do it. God, thank you so much for our city. Thank you for um, a beautiful city hall just south of here where we're meeting tonight. Um, thank you for the people who work there and the people who are considering um, our application and the conversations that we're having, the people who have been tasked with making sure we leave, live in a city that's safe and a city that's orderly, a city that's planned and designed well. And Lord, we just pray blessing over them tonight. We pray um, that you would encourage them tonight as they're with their families and Um, with their friends. And tomorrow, as they get a day off, we just pray rest over them. We declare rest over the people who serve our city, um, specifically over the people and the team that we're working with in this building process. And Lord, as we get an opportunity to meet face-to-face with them again this week, Lord, I pray that we would just be a blessing to them, an encouragement to them, that you would give us the eyes to see how it is that you're moving in their lives and the things that you're doing in them, that we would be people who get the opportunity to be um Your mouthpiece and your hands and your feet, and just to stoop to serve well, um God, we just pray for Melissa that you'd strengthen and encourage her in this process and Lord, I pray for all of us, God, that you would continue to encourage us and give us dreams and visions about what it means for us to be a people who have an opportunity to cultivate a space for ministry and for your glory. God, God, just stir us up right now for that, um, just stir us up with gratitude and uh, with hope and excitement and energy about all the things that you desire to do in and through us as we have the opportunity to gather together to celebrate you and to celebrate one another. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Everybody says amen. Yeah. So we're continuing on in our spiritual gift series. We've been in this for several months, kind of moving through the gifts one at a time, and we've covered a lot of ground. And I hope that you've had the opportunity to really seek the Lord as we've talked through these things, not just coming to listen, but really writing some things down, taking it away, spending time in prayer around these things, because it's not only our desire and hope and expectation that we would learn about these spiritual gifts, but that we would truly step into them. And I hope that you've been able to do that and have conversations with people about what the Lord is teaching you and stirring you as we're moving through this. And as we continue on our spiritual gift series tonight, we're talking about discernment. But I wanted us to slow down for a minute and talk about something that we've talked about several times through this series. And that is the reality that we're talking about spiritual gifts. And spiritual gifts necessitate intimacy with God. Spiritual gifts are birthed by the Holy Spirit in our lives. And today, uh, the church celebrates Pentecost traditionally, which is the celebration of the delivery of the Holy Spirit. Into the people of God, and so we're going to look at the story of Pentecost in the book of Acts, and look at what that means for what meant for them, what that means for us, what it means for us to be people who live uh, and filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And then we'll look specifically at discernment. So let's look at this story starting in Acts chapter one, verses thirteen and fourteen. And this is before the story of Pentecost, which starts in chapter two. But what we see here is kind of the setup, the prelude to what happens is the Holy Spirit is delivered to the people in chapter 2. We see this pattern, this rhythm that they have in their life. It says, when they arrived, they went upstairs, they being the disciples, to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James, They all join together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. And so we see this group of people who have experienced amazing and intense things, but they know that the work isn't done. They know that all they've just experienced is only the beginning. Several of them have spent... Three years with Jesus as he's gone about his earthly ministry. They've been commissioned by Jesus. They've had one of the lowest moments of their life as Jesus was crucified on the cross. And they all probably thought it was done for. But then three days later, they experience this beautiful moment where Jesus raises to life. And they get to see him in his glorified state. And Thomas puts his hands in the holes in Jesus' hands and in in his side. And they confirm that this resurrection has happened. And then Jesus spends another 40 days on earth and eventually is taken to heaven. Um, I got to one of, uh, I got to go to Norway on this trip that I just took. And uh, we stayed at Airbnb houses. And so we got to meet some locals there. And they were telling us about all the holidays they have in Norway, which, by the way, we get cheated a lot based on what I experienced in Norway and the conversations that we had. Uh, but, so they were talking about all these holidays, he's like, yeah, we have five national holidays in the month of May, right? We get our Memorial Day, which we're really appreciative for, and we get off tomorrow, but they get five days off at, throughout the course of May. Uh, but one of the days that they celebrate is, uh, literally translated, Jesus Goes to Heaven Day. <laughs> so, so they just celebrated last week, Jesus Goes to Heaven Day, Heaven Day, which is just before Pentecost. So we celebrate Pentecost today, but one of the things that we see leading up to these uh, these people celebrating Pentecost and the Holy Spirit coming is this, that healthy spiritual community is built on spiritually healthy individuals. And this isn't a point of condemnation tonight. This is a point of encouragement. So encouraging that we're going to put that phrase up here on the screen so that we can all see it. And yeah, there it is. Healthy spiritual community is built on spiritually healthy individuals. And that's what we want for us. That's what we want for us together. That's what we want for us as individuals. And I just want us to kind of move through this and the next point we're going to make prayerfully. So let's just close our eyes and let's picture that group of disciples there. And those women there and the people who are gathered together there in that upper room praying together. And I just want you for a moment to think about like your desire, your appetite, your heart. Think about the heart that they had and the appetite that they had and the things that they had experienced. Think about the Holy Spirit just being like right on the cusp of coming as these people are gathering together and praying and seeking the Lord and stirring up a deep level of appetite in their heart. And why don't tonight you ask the Lord there in this moment of prayer to stir up in you a deep appetite for him. To show you what it means to have a spiritually healthy life, both as an individual and in the context of community. And then think about just the spiritual practices that they were engaging in together. Praying together, there was the apostles teaching, they would celebrate one another, they would gather together and eat. Think about the spiritual practices and rhythms in your life. How often do you talk to God? He wants you to talk to Him. He wants to hear from you. He knows your thoughts, He knows how you feel. And he just wants to live each day as an ongoing dialogue between you and him. Lord, would would you just kind of shore up, firm up in us those spiritual rhythms, those practices, those conversations with you, those times of reflection, moments of going into the written scriptures and discovering you there, the things that you've said, the ways that you've moved that we would be people who get more well acquainted with you. In Jesus' name, amen. And so we see these people, they're gathering together and on a regular basis and they're challenging one another, they're encouraging one another, they're equipping one another, and they are people who are spiritually healthy individuals as individuals, but also as a community. And in that context, we see in Acts chapter 2, it says when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And as we think about sp- being spiritually healthy, healthy, it's not only being spiritual he- spirit- spiritually healthy, it's also about showing up. And there's just a simple truth that sometimes just showing up is central to your effectiveness in ministry. The fact that you're here tonight is important. Whether or not you come and gather together with the body is important. Your presence on a Wednesday night or during in a small group during the week is important. You showing up is important, and every time that we show up, we say to the Lord, God, I trust that me being present in this place is an opportunity for you to show me how it is you're moving and to extend an invitation to me to be part of the ministry that you have going on. And there's this beautiful reality that all of us are invited into effective ministry. We're going through the spiritual gift series. We're talking about spiritual gifts. We gather together, not just so that we can come here and learn something and talk about stuff and see one another, but that we would be people who are powerfully commissioned and filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, that we would step into the fullness of the effectiveness of what it means for us to be the people that God has created us to be. And there's so much joy and there's so much life in showing up with an expectation that God is ready to use us for ministry. And there's this beautiful reality here. So I hope tonight you're encouraged that your presence is important. And the things that God is doing in and through your life is important. And as we gather together, we have the opportunity to encourage and challenge one another to continue to become more like Jesus. And this is what happened. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And there was this beautiful moment where the Holy Spirit showed up and they were totally surprised. And that leads us to to talk about and leads us right into the gift of discernment tonight. Because there was this event happening for which there was no precedent. There was something going on that was not written down or somebody else hadn't experienced it. They were having a fresh experience in their encounter with the Holy Spirit that had never happened before. And that's why discernment is essential. What is discernment? Discernment is a gift of the Spirit that gives us supernatural understanding of the source of what we know or are experiencing. And so when we talk about discernment, we recognize that discernment is our ability to understand the source of what we know or what we hear or what we're experiencing in a moment. And so for the disciples, as the Holy Spirit came and there were these weird tongues of fire, like there wasn't even language for it. The writer of the book of Acts, all he could do was use this metaphor of these tongues of fire coming and resting on the heads of the disciples in this upper room. And that takes a great amount of discernment for us to understand, okay, tongues of fire, what's going on right now? These people speaking languages that we've never heard before. Is this Holy Spirit? Is this God? Is this Satan? Is this just hallucination? Did somebody put something in our tea earlier? Like we have to come to a place where we understand what is happening, and the root of what is happening. And that's where discernment comes into play. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10, Paul is talking about order and worship. He's talking about what it means for us to be people who are full of the Holy Spirit and have gifts of the Spirit. And he says, to another is given the gift of discerning between spirits. This very real gift of understanding, of being able to discern between what is God and what is not. In 1 John chapter 4, verses 1-3, through 3, The writer says, dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and is here even now already in the world. And so we have these two passages here that kind of give us a little bit of insight into this understanding of what discernment is, this ability to differentiate between spirits. And here in 1 John, we're given a proactive instruction to be the kind of people who are testing the spirits, that that is an ongoing part of our maturing spiritual walk, that we would be able to differentiate, to discern between the root of what we're experiencing. And I think it's helpful for us in the context of this conversation to differentiate between knowledge, wisdom, and discernment. And sometimes interchangeably, these terms are used in the pages of Scripture. But as a general whole, these words mean different things. And so knowledge is the possession of information. So we see Jesus with the woman at the well. And when Jesus is with the woman at the well, Jesus is given words, is given information by the Holy Spirit about this woman that he wouldn't have known about her apart from this infilling of the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit gives Jesus words about this woman, tells uh, tells Jesus about things that have happened in the past in this woman's life. And so Jesus possesses this supernatural knowledge about this woman. And that's what knowledge is. It's an understanding, a possession of information. And then there's discernment. So discernment is the ability that we have to understand the source of that information. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. And then lastly, wisdom. Understanding what to do with what we know. So there's knowledge possessing information. There's discernment knowing the root of that information. Where did that information come from? And finally, there is wisdom. What do we do with that information? And all three of those are rooted in intimacy with God. All three of those are spiritual gifts and necessitate intimacy between us and God for us to be able to live those things out. Um, So in this passage specifically, Acts chapter 2, the example that we've just looked at related to Pentecost, Peter knew about Jesus. The disciples had lived with Jesus. They knew about Jesus. They had experienced a lot of things. They possessed knowledge The Holy Spirit comes, we see this metaphor of the tongues of fire on the heads, and people are talking, and then all these people from all over the city gather to see this kind of commotion, this event. And so in that moment, there's the opportunity for discernment. What's happening here? Where is it from? What is the root of this? And so they discern, this is the Holy Spirit, these tongues of fire, what's happening. Then Peter says, okay, well, what do I do with what's going on right now? And in his wisdom, Peter steps forward, he stands up, And he tells the people about Jesus and he tells the people about the Holy Spirit. And thousands of people come to faith that day. And in that we see the knowledge, the understanding of Jesus. Secondly, the discernment of the activity of the Holy Spirit. And finally, the wisdom of what to do in that particular moment. So hopefully that's helpful as we talk about these ideas for us to really hone in on what discernment is. For us to differentiate it from, uh, from knowledge and wisdom. And so now let's talk about the usefulness and the purpose of what discernment is. Okay, so we have this idea. Discernment is understanding the source of things. So what? What does that mean for me? What does that mean for my life? And how will it affect me on a regular basis? Let's start with this. Discernment gives us a foundation to explore the unknown with shrewdness and wisdom. And so when we think about the infinite nature of God, inevitably we will encounter unusual and unexpected things, things for which there oftentimes may not be a precedent. That's what we see happening here in Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost. The Holy Spirit is coming, and it hasn't been it hasn't happened before, it hasn't been written down before, somebody else hasn't experienced this as some sort of formula that they can kind of go off. No, they're encountering an unknown experience that's that's defined by the presence of God. And as they're stepping into the presence of God, they use discernment to, t- to determine the source of what's going on there. So discernment gives us a foundation to explore the unknown with shrewdness and wisdom. When you and I have the ability to use discernment, it removes fear from our lives and it allows us to step into the fullness of the depths of God. A lot of times in our church culture, there's the tendency to just say, We don't understand that. That thing is scary, therefore we avoid it altogether. And we use fear as a a preventative measure from stepping into the fullness of God because it's unusual. But when we have discernment, it gives us the ability to step into the unknown with boldness because we will encounter all kinds of spiritual activity when we move forward into the unknown. But discernment gives us a foundation to explore that with great wisdom. So it's a beautiful gift that allows us to step into the more, to more of the fullness of God. There's this guy named Graham Cook who I love so much of his stuff. It's been really instrumental for me discovering just kind of the gift of prophecy specifically. But one of the things he talks about is oftentimes we aren't spiritually mature enough to differentiate between what is happening because of the acts of the flesh, what's happening because of the acts of the enemy, and what's happening because of the acts of God. Something can be happening in our lives, and as a result of the lack of discernment in our lives, we may not know where that thing is coming from. And as a result of having discernment, it gives us the ability to understand the depth of where things are coming from. I have this friend who um, a couple weeks ago I got to talk to on my porch. We were just sitting around um, talking. I hadn't seen him for a couple of months. A few months earlier, he had gone out of state um his mom was scheduled to have a surgery. It was kind of a routine thing. Nobody expected anything unusual to happen. And um and he went up there just to kind of help after the surgery with uh, help his dad out with with his mom and her coming back home and stuff. And um in the midst of the surgery some complications happened and she died. And it was obviously really really difficult for um, for that family and um he was gone for several months just kind of spending time with his family and spending time with his dad and um processing all of that stuff in his own heart in his own mind in his own spirit, and um you know when someone dies, I don't know if you've had someone close to you pass away um you know we hear these things like you know it's all for a better reason, or you know you know God is gonna work everything out to be okay or um you know God knows what he's doing or like all of these kind of strange phrases and when I sat on the porch with my friend, I, I kind of noticed, and I've experienced this in my own life, but felt like the Lord just kind of gave me some insight in this moment, but um, kind of noticed that he was wrestling with this idea of him believing his whole life that God was good, but through so many of the things that had been said to him, and through the way that he had like had his faith structured for him, he thought that God was the reason that his mom died. He thought that God essentially killed his mom. And it, it was it was nearly impossible to reco- to to reconcile this concept that like God did this, but God is good. And in that moment and thinking about discernment, it was the moment where I was like, No, like we gotta understand the source of this. Like God is on your side. God hates the effects of sin on the face of the earth, God hates death just as much as you do. And God wasn't standing around nefariously holding a knife, ready to take the life of your mom. God is standing next to you, comforting you in the midst of all of this. And what do we know from Scripture? What we know from Scripture is that there will be a day when the fullness of Jesus conquering death is the reality for us. And your mom isn't dead because God killed her. Your mom is dead because sin, the effects of sin are still present on the earth. And while the glory of God may be increasing and the reality of Jesus may be helping us look forward to a day where we don't experience the sting of pain, this thing happened because sin exists. Not that your mom did something and then was punished, but just the fact that our bodies are wasting away right now and have yet to be glorified. And as we understand the fullness of the source of the experiences we have in our lives, there are profound shifts in our life. And we come to the place where discernment helps us celebrate the wonderful things and feel free to mourn the difficult things. When we understand that something that is painful in our lives isn't from God, it gives us the ability to mourn the fact that it's there and go to God and sit with Him and say, "God, this." Thing is happening in my life, and then we begin to hear him say, I know, and I hate it as much as you do, and I'm present with you through the pain. And there's this beautiful thing that happens as we understand the source of things we know the things to hold on to, and we know the things to let go of. We know the things to process with the Lord and how to process them. We know how to hold on to the wonderful things and to deal with the really awful things. And there's this beautiful freedom that comes, in dis- in 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 being filled with the gift of discernment. We'll skip uh, this next one and just move into the ne- the third one. Uh, when humanity encounters an infinite God, it may look unfamiliar. Therefore, discernment is essential. When humanity encounters an infinite God, it may look unfamiliar. Therefore, discernment is essential, and that's what we saw in that example of Pentecost, but these examples are all throughout the pages of Scripture. We see Elijah, we know this story where he's being chased, and so he runs into a cave, and then he goes to the mouth of the cave, and there's this mighty fire that comes in, but Scripture says God wasn't in the fire. Then there was an earthquake, it says God wasn't in the earthquake. Then there was a mighty wind, and it says God wasn't in the wind. And then there was a still, small voice. And God was in that still, small voice. I think when we think about God, we think about maybe he's in a raging fire. Or maybe he's in a, a mighty wind. Maybe he's in the earthquake. And maybe he is in those things some days. But on that day, he was in the unfamiliar in a still small voice. We see John the Baptist at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, preparing the way for Jesus. This crazy guy who wore animal skin and ate locusts and lived out in the wilderness. What an unsuspecting character for God to use to prepare the way for the Messiah. Yet another example of how God shows up in the unexpected. And there are so many times where things like that might happen in our lives, where God is using someone that we wouldn't expect him to use, and so we miss him. But when we have discernment, we're able to see how God is using the people around us to speak into our lives. We have this example of Pentecost, and then we have The the example of Jesus walking on the water, Jesus sent his disciples out into a boat. They were out in the boat. It was late at night. And suddenly they see this figure walking across the top of the water. And up until this point, there are several examples where when people come to the edge of water and they need to get to the other side, they take a boat. Or if they don't have a boat, they walk across on dry land. We have this story of the Exodus with Moses. We have a story of Elijah doing the same thing. There's a couple examples where people walk across a body of water on dry land. Well, there had been no precedent for this concept of somebody walking on water. And so when the disciples in the boat see this figure at night walking across the water, their first thought is, it's a ghost. And so Jesus calls out to them and they understand that it's Jesus. Again, there's another example of an unexpected manifestation of the presence of God and Jesus walking on the water. And as a result of us understanding the source of things, it gives us the ability to see God in the right things and to understand the source as not being God when it's not. The gift of discernment helps us understand the underlying actions and words of others as well. So we understand God, we understand the source of things as God or the flesh or the enemy, but it also gives us the ability in our relationships with others to understand the source of uh, the actions and the words of others. And so it, ha- it manifests in the spiritual realm, but it also manifests in the, spiritual, in the physical and relational realm as well. And I want to spend the rest of our time together talking about these last couple points here, which relate to a few things um, that will help us hopefully kind of get a grip on what it means for us to perceive something as the source of being the enemy or the source being God. And so what are some of the indicators of that? First, the enemy is a deceiver. And one of his tactics is to take on the form of things that look like God. And this is a really important thing for us to understand when we talk about discernment. Religion is a perfect example of this. So God is desiring relationship with his people. And in that relationship, he gives um, instruction. He gives ways for us to live. He calls to us. He cares for us. And then what often happens is we take all of those things, we turn them into formulas, we reject relationship with God, and we begin living a stale and stagnant life. And that's an example of how the enemy would take something that is birthed by God or looks so much like God and just distort it a little bit and lead us to a path, down a path that leaves us empty and, and not full of life. And so there are so many examples of that. And we see Jesus talking about this concept a few things in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 10, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. Jesus is saying here to his disciples, hey, when you go out, have discernment. Know where things are coming from. Know what's going on. Again, in Matthew chapter 24, at that time, if anyone of you, if anyone says to you, look, here's the Messiah or there he is, do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. And so we see these false prophets, these false messiahs, doing signs, doing signs and wonders, healing people, healing the sick, giving sight to the blind. But Jesus says to us, use discernment so you know the source. Three indicators that the source is the enemy are accusation, distortion of identity, and death. We see these in examples of stories. Um, when we uh, when we see the enemy at work in the throughout the pages of Scripture, um, accusation we know that the devil is the accuser. We know that the devil would come to us and try to 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 get us to live in a life of guilt by accusing us. Uh, we see distortion of identity pretty frequently when the enemy would lead us to believe that we are someone we're not. We see this happening with Jesus in the wilderness when. When the enemy is tempting Jesus, and he starts each of his temptations with "If you truly are the Son of God," and he's trying to get Jesus to question his identity, and ultimately all of the things that the enemy is all about leads to our death. Everything that is evil is designed to immobilize and destroy us. The enemy is out to destroy you, and everything that he is out to, and, and every methodology he uses is out to destroy us. And so we want to be people who understand when things are from the enemy. Um, several months ago, um, I was here in our worship gathering and there was somebody who was causing a little bit of uh, disturbance. And so um, I I asked that person to kind of walk out with me there in the lobby. And we talked for just a few minutes and she kept saying that she was Jesus, that she was here speaking on behalf of Jesus. And uh, I don't know if God's going to send someone to speak on behalf of him. So I'm going to Start listening, and I'm going to use discernment, and I'm going to say, hey, like, what's going on here? Holy Spirit, give me the gift of discernment right now. Give me the gift to understand what it is that's going on. Well, about her third or fourth sentence, she starts prophesying my death. So immediately, I am like, well, okay, we know this is not from the Lord, because it's about prophesying death over me and a few other people who are there in the lobby. And that's one of the things that we see. The en- The enemy wants to lead us to a place where we're thinking about death or we're afraid of death. And ultimately, that's what the enemy sets out to do. Three signs that, are, uh, that the source is God are grace, love, and hope. Grace, love, and hope. And this is the life of Jesus. We see Jesus approaching people who have sinned or who have fallen. And the first thing that he does is to extend grace to, grace to them to lift them up from their fallen state. And when we see God at work, we see grace as the foundation for us being able to not be condemned down to death, not condemned down into guilt, but to be people who are lifted up in the grace of Jesus. And another thing we see consistently in the life of Jesus is love. Jesus went to people who were unloved by the culture of his day. He went to lepers, he went to beggars, he went to the lowly, and he embraced them physically, but he also embraced them spiritually. He extended love to them, and then he extended love to all of humanity by showing us the ultimate love of giving himself on the cross. And finally, hope. When we recognize the things of God, we recognize that the things of God are about life and thriving for us. They're about our forward movement. God never believes that we are, and the Holy Spirit never declares that we are in our final spot. God recognizes, and life with God is the recognition that we can continually move forward into the fullness of Jesus that's already been declared over our lives. When we encounter God, everything everything is designed for greater life. When we encounter God, everything is designed for greater life the things that are happening, the sovereignty of God in the midst of a situation is designed so that we might find life even in the most difficult of circumstances. Everything that is, a, that is about God, everything that comes from God is about us stepping into the fullness of life in Jesus. Now I've given some of these maybe indicators that something is from the enemy or something is from God and now I'm just going to end by throwing a wrench into all of this. So there's the story of Ananias and Sapphira Um, two people who were followers of Jesus. And this was after Jesus um, had died on the cross. It's after the resurrection. It's in the book of Acts. Um, A lot of the believers are selling their goods and their possessions, and they're bringing the money for the work of ministry. And so Ananias and Sapphira had a piece of land. They sell it, and they bring this money, and they give it to the disciples for, for ministry work. And the disciples say, is this everything? And they say, yes, but it wasn't. And immediately they fall down dead. Now that for me is like one of the most confusing pieces of scripture in the whole Bible. Because it's in the age of grace. It's after the forgiveness of Christ. But these two people who were able to do with whatever they want with their own money. Like there wasn't even a mandate. Like you got to go sell that and bring us all the money. It was just a simple question. They, they could have just said, no, it's not. But we're going to keep some of it for us. That would have been fine too. But they come in the situation and they end up dead. And it's really confusing to me. But why do I tell this story? I tell this story to remind us what I said at the beginning. Discernment necessitates relationship with God. We can't just say, oh yeah, God works this way, and God doesn't work this way, and the enemy works this way, and I can write those things down, and I can just live my life by using this matrix of things, and if it fits in this hole, then it's from God, and if it doesn't, then it's not. No. Discernment requires that we remain in relationship with God because God is always active and at work. And it's an opportunity for us to know him more by stepping into a place of discernment. And knowing God is not found in formula. Knowing God is only found in knowing God. And so we stay in relationship with him. And as we do so, we grow in our ability to discern. And as we grow in our ability to discern, we step farther into the unknown, and we understand what's from God and what's not, and it gives us a sure foundation to step into more of the fullness of God. So let's stand together. Let's just open our hands in front of us. Open your hands. Close your eyes. We're going to sing a couple songs, but I just want to just pray a prayer of impartation over us tonight. Holy Spirit, we thank you for discernment. God, we thank you that you don't leave us to walk around alone. You don't leave us to figure out everything out by ourselves. But God, you're with us and you're walking with us and you desire for us to be people who are full of discernment. So Lord, open our spiritual eyes tonight. As we go this week, as we live tonight, as we live our lives, as we continue to mature as the body of Christ, Lord, we ask that you would fill us with a high level of supernatural spiritual discernment. That we would be people who perceive the source of things. And that we would have the wisdom to take hold of the things that find you as their source. That we would find you as our source. We love you and we praise you and we worship you.